they had left South Africa because of a lot of violence that was taking down there, taking place in South Africa. And um, so when we were in Zurich, that's when Clinton got hooked up with Jack Keane and with the men's movement, uh, the Ed Cole curriculum. And um, he really thought that he was going to be like the right-hand uh, pastor assistant to Desmond Frey in Zurich. But... Um, the Lord pressed strongly upon his wife that they were to return to South Africa. And so they did that about three years ago, four, three and a half years ago. And um, he started meeting with five men in South Africa after they got back to South Africa. Uh, they have a big ranch house with horses. Uh, his wife loves horses. She raises horses. And he started meeting with the men there in South Africa. And... Um, the first year they did the conference in South Africa, this will be the third year. The first year there was about seven men, not a significant number, but it went from seven to 45, and, and this year they're expecting 150 men to show up. Um, and so God directed their steps into raising up men with the character of godliness in South Africa. And so uh, for the past three years, I have not seen him uh, in South Africa or Switzerland, but I have been seeing him at the Jack King Conference in Dallas, Texas. And so every year he says, when are you going to come? We really want you to minister to the men in South Africa. And so this year we believe that it's our time to be with them um, and take a word to those 150 men. Uh, groundwork and pioneer stuff seems to be where God is sending us um, to really minister really strongly and here in Miami, we have the expectation for God to raise up uh, people who will lead. So it's a very particular church. Um, in, in other places, they're not concerned about leaders. And here, it seems to be that every service, every communication we have is, is leadership. It's leaders, high standards. Some of these young people that come to this church... They're part of the conversations that, that doesn't exist in other places. Um, to hold them responsible for nations. When's the last time you talked to somebody in your family and told them, you know something, God is going to raise you up as a, his standard to a nation, to a whole nation. And, and so we believe it only takes one person. Throughout the Bible, we see that God was not involved in a popularity contest and trying to win over uh, great multitudes. Uh, but he relied, and throughout the Bible, every single one of the books of the Bible will have one, two, maybe three names of very powerful men. Um, if you go to this verse that we, we share a lot here, in Genesis 45, verse 8, you'll see that one young man was able to hold on strong and become the father to the king of a nation. Um, a father to the king of a nation. So now it was, he, he understood that his whole life had not to do with other people. He, he's, you know, his, the surrounding brothers are concerned about if he's going to like them or not like them. And he says, look, I'm not into whether you like me or not because this was not about you. You did not send me here. Uh, the awareness of the young people in this church and how they know that God has put them into this earth 
and is going to shoot him into his purpose is, is really, um, I'm, I'm the pastor and, and I constantly talk about this issue, but I am really, um, I shudder, I shake in my shoes uh, to see the tenacity of how these young people know who they are. Um, I was asking George Gill's little son, uh, Georgie Jr., I, I, I guess it was Sunday afternoon. He was at my house. I said, Georgie, what are you going to do when you grow up? He said, I'm going to be a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. How old is he? Three, four years old? And, and you know, he, he wants to be a world changer. That's it. It's in his, it's in his mindset. He's not going to talk to you about no fireman. He's not going to be no break dancer or rapper. This guy's this guy's going to raise up and... Um, and so that's what we're doing here, and that, that's why I pray that when Paul was saying that he was going for the bullseye, he says, it wasn't you who sent me here. It wasn't you who were directing my paths. My life is not about circumstances in the hand of others, but God. Tell yourself this night, but God. You got to clear that he is the one who is authoring your life. And any other thoughts in any other direction is just a waste of time and a distraction. But God, everything, uh, I, I'm, I'm at the point now, you might not believe this, I'm at the point now that every breath I take, I understand, is God just allowing me to take another breath. Allowing me to, to you know, to participate as his representative upon the earth. And so we transcend the natural into uh, the eternal, and he, he has made, God is making us, he has made me, he is making me, he is forging, there's, there's nothing worse than not knowing that God's hand is in your life, that God is the one that's molding your character, that God is holding you responsible, um, we would like to all blame someone else, but it's really the hand of God that's upon our life. And I want to tell you that the very fact that we're participating and hearing these things, it's the mercy of God. Because when I leave these doors and I go out to the world and I see what other people are listening to and hearing, um, I had the occasion about three days ago to stop. And you guys all know because you've seen her, there's a, there's what's called the Doral Madam. She's a homeless lady, goes around pushing a cart. She's dressed like Lucille Ball. Um, and so I've, I've tried in various occasions to, to witness to her and talk to her about the Lord. It would be crazy for me to be going all over the world talking about people, about Jesus Christ, and not get the people that are, are in our own neighborhood. And, and so I've, I've, been, I've made efforts to talk to her. And so three days ago, again, at the intersection, I rolled down my window and... I asked her, I said, have you ever been invited to church? And she says, don't you know who I am? I am world famous. I am a genius. I know how to speak five languages. Uh, and she, she speaks German perfectly and fluently. And um, she didn't answer any of my questions because she's under other influence. But, but she, you know... Seeing the confusion in her life and the loss of being connected with God uh, allows us to understand that any single one of us could end up in that same place. 
any one of us can miss the mark of God. And here we're pressing on towards another direction. We, we could miss the mark. We could be flying without direction, but we're purposefully pursuing the heart of God. And when we come here, that's what we do. We, we consider the Lord. We worship in his presence. And, and so make yourself aware of the fact that, that you're, you're being molded by God, prepared by him to be a leader. When he talks about, uh, he made me a father to Pharaoh. He made me a leader of a family. Um, I, I really think that God is going to hold us responsible for our family when we get to heaven. I really think that when we get to heaven, he's, he's going to ask us about our family. Um, he's not without the understanding that, that, that there is rebellion in the land. And um, I was talking, to, even in my own family for 15 years, I've been a spiritual leader, and there are people that have purposely decided to walk far from my voice and from my influence and from my leadership. Um, and, and a lot of things have been done to uh, mend that scenario. Once, once a person decides to disassociate themselves like the prodigal son, uh, I think that our responsibility is done until they come and return to um, themselves and understanding and, and the expectation and the waiting of God is there for that to happen. Um, but as God continues to allow us and everywhere we're going on this trip, it's not something, uh, some pastors will call different cities and say, hey, will you have me? Uh, I'm going to be in town and, and, and we could seriously be in a different town every week all over the world. But the, the particular places we are going and we have gone are serious relationships that have been developed over a serious amount of time and, and people have invited us to come to do particular specific business. Um, that gives us the liberty to not have to flatter men. In other words, not to go there to tell them things that, you know, that are nice. And we don't want to be mean on purpose, but we do want to stand up and say, this is the banner of the Lord. This is what, what God desires upon the earth. And one of my, I guess it's the biggest heartbreak I have is the fact that, that here at the house, um, God has given us a clear indication of where we're to walk and how we're to live. Um, and some people don't understand. Uh, but I want to share tonight, once again, on what God is looking for and how God will measure who we are and what we do and, um, and what God is building for us to be leaders. So let's tell your neighbor tonight, uh, thank God that you're here tonight. And I pray that God would raise you up to be a leader in your generation and your family. Father, I give you thanks tonight for your goodness in this place. I give you thanks for your presence and your purpose in this ministry. I give you thanks that we are able to partake of things that at one time we were blind and we did not know, but now you have revealed them to us through your grace, through your spirit, through your word, through your goodness.
And I pray, oh God, that we would press forward. We would press forward into the high call that we have in Christ Jesus. And that there be in us that substance that transcends culture and that transcends human influence and wisdom so that we might be built up in the character and the fullness of who you are as we represent you upon the earth. We pray that you would bless your word tonight and that it would be a lamp unto our feet and we would understand what, is you're gonna, what, what you will require on the day we stand before you. And Father, we know that you have begun a good work in us and you will finish it before the day of your coming and that no other distraction, no other fanfare or influence will divide our attention to pursue things that have no merit at the end of our race, but that we might be found before you in a manner which pleases you. From the crown of our head to the sole of our feet, our entire soul and spirit lined up in your instruction and purpose. Now prosper this word in the hearts of your people that we might pursue and be faithful to the race which has been drawn ahead of us. That your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We were talking about how at times when people were seeking Jesus and wanted the bottom line, he gave them the bottom line. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, one of the expert religious leaders of his time approached him and tested his teaching and his instruction saying, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in all of the instruction found in the Old Testament in the law. He's talking about the law of Moses. And Jesus replied to him in verse 37 saying, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. We had been talking about how love is the perfect expression of righteousness. And it's not a hypocritical love. It's not a love that um, many times when, they, when he would tell them, love your neighbor as yourself, they, they asked him the question, who is my neighbor? Because we know how to theater. We know how to playwright. We know, in other words, we know how to behave in front of certain people the way we're supposed to. Um, the, the best illustration of this was uh, about... 20 years ago, I was in law school, and I was given an assignment. Um, my law school professor was suing Dade County Jail. And he says there was too many prisoners in the jail at the same time. So they would only have 30 beds, and they had 70 people inside the jail. So that was unconstitutional. You couldn't have a jail that didn't house the proper amount of people. And then obviously uh, medication, health care, uh, food, all that was included in the lawsuit. But primarily overpopulation. 
So I was a young attorney, and, and I, I say this because I just can't believe how fast the last 20 years have passed like this. And so as a young man, I, I was assigned to um, drafting an assessment for the prisoners so that they can put all their formal assessment and complaints on that form. And, and I went there from, from jail to jail to jail. Uh, met some interesting characters. Uh, Yahweh bin Yahweh uh, was in there. And um, he looked like a type of Gandhi, Malcolm X, Mandela. You know, he had this, this religious aura about him. And I remember going to one jail cell, and the guy came out like if I was at Metro Dade Zoo. He came out like a gorilla. And he grabbed on because, you know, they, they react in ways that are bizarre. And this African-American gentleman jumped out like a gorilla and he, he scared me. And I went back and he was trying to threaten me with intimidation. Except when he found out that I was part of the lawyer team that was helping them. And all of a sudden, a gorilla turned into a gentleman. And he said, oh, then... In that regards, I would like to tell you. And he became a perfect gentleman. And I was in shock how we have the capacity to transform depending who we're in front of. Tell your neighbor, he's talking about me, isn't he? We have the perfect ability to transform our character in an instant depending on who we're talking to. And, and so... Christ is talking about the standard and measure of God that we would come to the character that we were created to honor and glorify our God. Not in one instance, not in one occasion, but forevermore to the glory of God. And so he's talking about love being that which fulfills the entire law uh, to love God, and then he says, and the second, verse 39, uh, the second commandment is just as important that you love others as you love yourself. For the entire, verse 40, the entire instruction of God's law and the entire demands of the prophets that were seeking to bring God's messages are based on these two commandments. And if you're to be able to understand what he's saying is the expression and the very essence. What God is building in our lives is something called character. That's what it is. It's the measure, the stature, the fullness of perfect character in its full expression. And all these expressions of character are best seen in times when it is most difficult to express them. Romans 5, verse 3, we rejoice in hard times, we glory in tribulations, knowing that hard times produces the very depth of character that allows us to do it in the long haul, and not just as a moment. Um, we, we had a gentleman come into my office this week, and he says, Pastor, I messed up. I messed up, I blew my top, I haven't slept for three days, and I told five people off, and I got in a fight with my, and I said, time out, time out, time out, time out. 
go rest. Go rest. And we wish that we would have perfect character all the time. But the truth is, as we press forward towards the mark of great exemplary, say with me, example. That's measure. When you begin to show yourself an example of character in every area. So you, you see it uh, most amongst the children, and not the baby children, but the children that are about this high, that they come to Sunday school and they got perfect attendance. They've memorized every Bible verse. They come into my office, Pastor, how are you doing? But I, I have conversations with their parents all the time, and I know that's not the way they act like at home. At church and in the measure of our atmosphere and circumstance, they have high marks. But you put them in another surrounding and you put them in another place and they're acting totally different. And so you see that the character is not fully mature, which is not a bad thing because they're in process. They're in development. They're growing. And I could see... Um, that they will far surpass anything I've ever done because when I was their age, I was a million times more distorted and truly messed up. So when you see what God has done with us in his grace and in his spirit and through his mercy, we have high hopes that these men and young girls are going to do powerful things for the glory of God. Yes. Powerful things. So in times of hardship, we're not... We're not, it, says, it doesn't say we're distressed or in despair or we've lost hope. It says that these hard times produce a character of patience and unswerving endurance. You keep on going. We don't give up. And this endurance over a period of time is developing character. And I could just see them shine brightly in this character in time and in season. And that produces great hope. Great, great expectation of good things coming down the road. And so you see in verse 5, it says that God's not going to give up in all these things. We're not disappointed because in God's love, he continues to pour out his presence and his goodness in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. I want you to really pursue the mark of character, the substance God is looking for in every description we have in the Word of God. Every, every description of what God is looking for, what is lost, that is in an expectation of God's heart, what He's looking for us is that substance that shines. It doesn't pretend. It's not putting on a show. It's there. It's presence. And so Ephesians 4.11 says the whole work of the five-fold ministry. There's five specific offices that God has given as a gift to the church. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he says God has given their gifts. He himself gave, that's where is the gift. God himself gave, him, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, 
some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers in order to equip, to build up each believer for the work of service that they might serve God. To build up, to edify the body of Christ, to make the church stronger till we all come to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of Man. It says, the measure, let's go to read verse 13. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Every time I talk with a Christian in many different scenarios, they identify more with their human nature more than they do with the nature of God. So they'll say something like, I'm only human. And so what they're telling you is, I'm going to have the expression of that fallen nature. And, and that's what makes us identify so much with the culture. Um, I, I want to tell you a secret. That verse in Revelations that says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That is a sentiment of nauseousness. And, and when you press into the Spirit of God, Anything less than the standard of God is that it provokes those sentiments. In other words, God didn't want his creation to fall in the, I don't know how to describe it, but the mud of human frailty. He didn't design us for, um, for failure, for falling. He is pursuing his glory to be revealed in us. That means although we are in the present condition, he's looking for a nature that transcends this, this life. And, and we see that, and that nature becomes visibly apparent in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, God is not going to leave us in a corrupt state. He's not... This is not our DNA. This is not our design. God is not into conformity. Be not conformed to this world. Don't, don't set your standards so little. We went to a conference one time and, and a man pulled out a cigar and began to smoke. And he says, I hope you're not one of those pastors that have something against smoking. And I just bit my tongue. I didn't want to respond to a fool. And when he told me that, he says, because one of my favorite preachers of all times used to smoke. And I looked at him, I said, couldn't have you picked a better example? Who's your example? Do not lower and conform. Here it is, um, when Paul is talking about the transformation. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. When you gather around corrupt people, evil company begins to corrupt character. I was telling Leo when I met him, I said, who are you hanging out with? 
Because if you hang out with a world changer, you're going to be a world changer. And if you hang out with a carnal Christian or a Christian that is looking to go eat the pig's leftovers, you're going to find yourself in that, in that mud pile. Do not be deceived. Don't, don't let anybody take your sights off. A character that far surpasses, uh, because it's powerful. Do not be deceived into conforming. Evil company corrupts good habits. Uh, another translation says, um, bad company corrupts good character. Awake to righteousness. Begin to live far from sin. Does your verse say that in verse 34? Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Is it even possible? Yes. I always say from this pulpit that I was very identified with my devilish, infernal, carnal, ungodly self. So I could see myself becoming a rebel, becoming disobedient, becoming sinful, proudful. And I could never, the devil told me, Joaquin, you're never going to be a man of God. And I said, why not? He says, because you like to do what's wrong. And I said, I know. I know. That, that's my tendency. And then I said, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I always obey you to do wrong. I could start obeying Christ. I could start listening to another voice, another spirit, another destiny, another legacy. I could be a prince for the glory of God. I don't have to be a clown. I don't have to go around, and, and I did for a long time, being the class clown, saying the jokes, dirty words, filthy stuff, twisted insults. I spend my whole day now trying to not walk in that character through the spirit of God, through the grace of God, through the presence of God. Give me that nature when he says, awaken to the righteous character, righteousness, to a life that conforms to God. Do not sin for some simply do not even know that this is what God is doing in us. That every day is a step of righteousness. Every day is a, a, the direction of being used of God. And so I'm, I'm telling you, even as I say it tonight, that, that I'm hanging on to the Lord with every breath. Every I, this is not a done deal. There's still a long race. There's still a long, a long purpose in my life. Awake to righteousness. Do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. So what are they doing? They're sinning and they're asleep in righteousness. And then he says, I write this to your shame. But, and then he gets into the affairs of, of the supernatural. Listen to what he says in verse 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Afterwards comes the spiritual. The first man is of the earth and made from the dust. The second the inner man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust le leading to corruption, so also the man which is from above. So also are those who are heavenly. We're like Jesus Christ. As we have been born in the image of the man, as there's a nature in us that's inclined to be like Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. 
Christ is being formed in us. And so that, that goes back to this issue of character. It's being formed in us. So when he went into various places, like when they went into Crete, in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, he sends a messenger, a spiritual son, into another nation. He says, Mauricio, go into that land, go into that place. And this is what he writes, in all things, whoa, whoa. How could he tell a young person, um, you guys know that back in those days it was worse than the present. Um, we think that we're in shock uh, because there's movies that come out rated R and there's a whole bunch of things on cable and pornography and there's, there's all manner of perversion in our generation. Can I challenge you that back in Paul's days it was 10,000 times worse? That prostitutes walked down the street like if nothing, that orgies were normal. You got invited to a party and it was expected to end up in the Greek uh, passions of the lust, celebrating the God of fertility. And there was no expression of decency. All that has come through the work of Christianity upon the earth. But back in days there was darkness. And so when he's telling these young people, you're going to go into the land of the Greeks and show yourself to shine after a pattern of godliness, after the character of righteousness. In what you teach, let it be seen in your secret lives. That's what integrity is. Let these people see the character of God. How, how is it that you understand what a Christian is other than you see his life? You come up against a guy who doesn't curse, who doesn't steal, who doesn't involve himself in shady situations, who treats his wife with the fear of God. Have, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that that's how you can tell the character of the godly man? Nobody's forcing him. Nobody's seeing his dark side, but he's living the character of reverence. Say with me, incorruptibility. How do you show incorruptibility? How do you show that? By not, by not being corrupt. Hey, come on. Let's go. Let's, hey, let's go. Shh. I'll give you an example. Um, and this, this, this even freaked me out. Fifteen years into our Christian walk and... The Lord calls us out to start Spring of Life Fellowship. I get a phone call from my younger brother, Jules, who's studying in the Dominican Republic. He's in medical school, six months away from graduating. His wife and kids come to the United States because they're making the transition back over. He has one more semester to finish. We fly into the Dominican Republic, and all of the medical students there it was a big to-do that an older brother was coming over. At the time, I must have been 35. And so they're like, okay, we're going to show him what we do in Dominican Republic. This is the party capital of the world, the sex capital of the world. Let's show how deep the 
degenerate, perverted state of affairs are on spring break when there's a vacation. And it was the character of Christ inside that was able to say, you know something? Uh, you guys are going that way. I'm going to go to the other side of the island. I'm going to go in another direction. Now, that was Christ. That was 100% Christ. And that's when I saw what had been forged during the first uh, 16 years of my Christian life. The, the character of Christ that did not conform. That, that was, was in Joseph when he told Potiphar's wife, listen, <laughs> thanks for the freebie. I'm glad you like me and are attracted to me. I'm glad that, that you think I'm handsome and you're a pretty good looking woman also. But I can't do this to my God. It wasn't Potiphar. It wasn't his moral upbringing. It wasn't his father. It wasn't his religion. It was, it was his personal relationship with God that did not allow him to go that way. And so many of you, I, I just mentioned the fact of, of your relationship at home with your wife in situations. There's a time to see the presence of God in your home and quit acting like since the pastor's not here and we're not at church, I get to say a curse word or I get to offend you. Or I get to do something that is hurtful. Because that, that is not what God is raising up. That's not what the Spirit of God is producing. So he sends this young man in Titus chapter 2 verse 7. And he sends this young man and he says, Show yourself the integrity and the seriousness, the reverence. How serious do you take this stuff? Um, one of the things that I was terrified as I grew up as a young man in church is I did not want to become a religious puppet. In other words, I didn't want to have a double life. I didn't want to be hallelujah, 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 and then pff, turn into a demon and, and you're doing stuff of the nature of Satan. You're lying, you're cheating, you're in disobedience, you're in rebellion, you're doing things that do not please and honor God. And so he's telling them that. Make sure that you're serious and your reverence, incorruptible. And listen what else he tells them. He says, um, verse 8, sound speech. Does that sound like what we're talking about? That every utterance of your word depict your relationship with God. Sound means that which is healthy. That produces blessing. Because we know that Satan is an expert at speaking twisted, double talk. That can, this sounds healthy speech that cannot be condemned. The one, so that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. Be above reproach. That's one of the most painful things in this character uh, developing uh, exercise. That we are constantly being challenged for our, say with me, flawed character. Especially from our wives, right? She's like, you know something, you're being a hypocrite. You're like, uh, uh, uh. And we don't like that. We don't like to be held. It's called being accountable. The more public you are in ministry, the more this will be the case. And people will say, you're not walking in the character of the Christ and the God you profess. 
The devil is the number one. The Revelations chapter 12 says that he stands before the throne of God day and night accusing the believers. Accusing. Look, look, look. Look, he, he messed up again. When he's accusing is that we're falling short of the character of God. So Paul sends this young man into this place saying, your character is to be above all things. 1 Timothy 4.12, he tells a young man, don't let anyone measure you as a smaller person. Um, could I challenge you today that character is what makes you tall? When, you're, when, they, when they sit there and go, whoop, when they're measuring what makes you a prominent man that's going to do great things upon the earth, what they're judging is not your speech and not your big words. It's your life. What You say a lot of things. We all say a lot of things. What does your life say? And, and what is talking there? And what they're talking about and the substance of the issue, say with me, character. Character. And I've, I've, I've taken it this far. I've said thoughts, your thoughts. That's why it was awesome when David says, Lord, look at my innermost thoughts. Because some guys will say, oh, but I was just thinking it. I wasn't. That's a problem. You're not supposed to be thinking it. Jesus says if you desire a woman... In your heart, you've already committed adultery. So forget about the act. It's even the thought. And so character is thoughts, words, and actions. Some people say, well, I was just saying it. I wasn't. You were just saying it. I wish I could kill you. Really? That came out of your mouth? From the... Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, I didn't mean it. Really? Christ is doing a perfect work in us, and when he says, let, let the measure of your character, let no one underestimate, despise, belittle you because you're young, be an example. And this, this, is, this is the hallmark of something you bring out, and you say, hey, there it is. I'm not, I'm not thinking it. I'm not speaking it. There it is. There is what God is asking for. That's what God is looking for. Just as long as you, just in case that you don't know what he's talking about, he says, be an example to those that are walking in this life as believers in word, in outward expression, conduct, in inward sentiment, which is love. In the disposition of what's bubbling out of your life. Listen to me. It's time for us to tell, you know, lust. That has no place in a vessel. Has no place in a vessel of honor. Pornography. Theft. That cannot be. This spirit. The disposition of our inner man. The outward man is perishing. The inner man is being perfected in faith. Um, the opposite of faith is fear. When you guys hear about something, are you bringing the eternal? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And I, I always love saying, okay, that's what, that's what the information says. But what does God say? Are you standing up with something in scripture? 
that says something different. Impurity. Um, we don't talk about purity in the essence of, of wearing long underwear. Uh, we talk about purity with singleness of mind. Do you have, and in the last couple of days, I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to see an expression of this. You know, just I have many, I, I want to be focused. What do you want me to do? We get invited on a weekly basis to a hundred pastoral meetings all over town. And if I went to all of them, I would probably go crazy. So what, what, is, what do you want me to concentrate? What have you entrusted to me? A lot of us are making everybody happy but the people that God has put in our life to make happy, which is our wife and our children. And so we have to tell some people, guess what, buddy? Sayonara. I wish I could, you know, Latinos have an issue with that. I wish I could cater to my brother and to my mother and to my aunt and to my uncle, but I need to be with my wife. I need to be there for my kids. If I'm not there from the, for, the, for them, I'm not there for anyone. Amen. If I'm not there for them, I'm not there for anyone. And so, so here it is. He says, be an example in your purity. Verse 13 Till I come, give attention to the reading and to the exhortation, to the doctrine. Concentrate on the instruction we have in the Bible. Um, the, you know, every time, there's not a time that I, I pick up the Bible, that I'm reading it, that it's not like, uh, 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 you know, it's, it's doing a work on me. I'm not there. I want to be there. Oops, oops. And so that, 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 the Bible says, as we look into the law of liberty, we're being transformed. We're being changed. Second um, Corinthians 18.3, it says, from glory to glory. A lot of things that when I first started 29 years ago, I didn't even have a clue. 18.3, 2 Corinthians 18.3. I didn't have a clue what God expected. I didn't have a clue. What, where I was headed. 2 Corinthians 18.3, please. Put it up on the, on the board. It's not 3, it's 3.18 then. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Sorry about that. There it is. We all, we, we're covered, we're in our inability to see, beholding as a mirror the glory of God. As we read the word, as we understand that tonight what's happening, God is putting before us the reality of where we're headed to be transformed. We're seeing the glory of God as in the mirror and we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as the Spirit of the Lord. And so that's what's causing us to be recognized upon the earth as the sons of God. I want to touch base on these expressions of character. So that you understand where God is leading us. John 3, 29. Those that followed Christ would say words like this. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Verse 30. He must increase, 
and I must decrease. Every day it should be more of an expression of Christ. Every day it should be more of a thought that's closer to his. And we're not let down and we're not totally frustrated and we're not in despair. We're not throwing the robe. We're not throwing the towel. We're pressing forward. We're being transformed so that it's more of him and less of us. And then these expressions of his character through the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Character is produced by us expressing love through the Spirit of God, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. All these things are an indictment to those who live a Christian life without that expression. When the disciples wanted to burn down a city because they were being rubbed wrongly, they said, hey, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven and just barbecue these people? They said, no, we're not of that spirit. I know you want to have an outlash of a character, but that's not the spirit I've given you. I've given you a, 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 the spirit that leads you to have self-control, to be gentle. And against such, there is no stopping us to fulfill God's call. So as I make mention of the expressions of the fruit of His Spirit. Understand that these are the things that God is working on us on everyday mindset. And when we fail to walk in a manner that manifests this character, we're really, we're really losing sight of the direction of God's leading. Uh, I want to challenge you that that is called religiosity. You can shout amen right there. That was good. You're exercising spiritual devotion that's not consistent with the character of God. Did you write that down? That was good too. You're exercising Stuff that you call Christianity, which have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is zealous for us, desiring for us to work out a character. Ready? You take, you take inventory. In your character, where does courage lie? What is the expression of your courage to stand where no one else is willing to stand? We see this all over the Bible with people that were really connected to God. The three Hebrew men that were in the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den, David before Goliath, Joseph in Egypt. Courage is the hallmark character of the Spirit of God. And he's working that out in us. Listen, you can see courage. Medals have never been given to any coward. No one has ever hold, held a coward in high honor. But the courageous 
They stand firm and fast in the midst of adversity, of conflict. I want to suggest that God is working on your courage to stand when no one else stands, to hold your ground, to be unfazed and unmoved. Character attribute number two, honesty. Listen, there's not a week that goes by that I'm not given huge amounts of large change that I know is not mine. Anybody say amen? You do a nice deal at the bookstore, at the Burger King, at the mall, and the very dim-lighted person on the other side is giving you monies out of the cash register. And you're like, it's not my fault she doesn't know how to count. And that's your opportunity to stand with honesty and say, no, this is not the portion of God for my life. This is not what God wants. And, and yeah, it, it, it falls to our favor. You go to the grocery store and they don't pass something through the beeper and you go, there goes the cheddar cheese, yes. And you don't say, hey, hey, excuse me, you didn't get this. Listen to me. That causes you to shine for his glory. Your capacity to be honest. I, I'm tempted every time my wife asks me on the phone, where are you, to tell her, oh, I'll tell her I'm a little bit closer than I should be. <laughs> right? I'm on the way home. And she says, where are you? I was like, around the block? <laughs> I got to be honest. So I'm not going to lose my character to shine for his glory because I'm in big trouble. And so this becomes a challenge through the spirit and presence of God. Nobody's watching. Nobody is holding me accountable. No, there's not. But there's, there's an aspect of God that wants us not only to be courageous, to be, but to be honest. Second character attribute, honesty. Are you doing good with your honesty? Are you doing bad with your honesty? You know, your participation with tithing, that's an honesty issue. And God could blow you up in a second and give you great wealth and riches. But you can't even be faithful with a couple dollars. You can't even be right and, and no, one's, no one's calling you and accounting you. But honesty is giving God what is his. And so we're being weighed in our character in those regards. And promotion comes from being faithful. Why? Because God's going to put you out there to represent his glory. Um, verse, uh, character attribute number three, reliability. I'm going to be there at seven. And you don't show up. A person that you could confide in. And then you'll have a reputation after a while that you're a person that is not reliable. You're a person that doesn't keep your appointments. You're a person that covers that aspect. Discipline. The being able to, to live in a manner that shows forth self-restraint. That's what discipline is. You're holding yourself back. You live a disciplined life. Not only financially, which is, which is an aspect of that, but food. And, and, and people that go around saying, well, 
in my family, we've all just been pleasantly plump. This, this goes back 100 years, you know, it's just something in the blood. No, it's not. No, it's not. Bring discipline in your life. Ask God for that character attribute because it gives him the glory. Just like reliability, responsibility, being able to respond. With responsibility, I want to say that there's two ways to hold a person responsible. One is to force them to do what they're not inclined to do. And another thing is to have the person manifest responsibility. Um, I was talking with Gerardo, our trumpet player in the Spanish worship team. I said, who calls you to tell you to perfect your trumpet skills? Who forces you to rehearse? Who causes you to move towards excellence? I want to answer that. It's called responsibility. Nobody calls him. Nobody imposes upon him. I was talking to Domingo, which is Maria's brother, who started coming here three months ago. And he was telling me, Pastor, everything comes down to responsibility. You're either responsible or irresponsible. In an irresponsible manner, you can't entrust anything to. Whatever you entrust them, there's always going to be an excuse. If you're a person given to many excuses... Look at your responsibility. Proverbs 24, 11, and 12 tells us about responsibility. Deliver those who are drawn towards death, right? And hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Verse 12. If you say, surely we did not know this. What, could you tell me excuse? I didn't know. Well, the guy was going to be run over. The, the church wasn't going to be open. No, I didn't know. Guy's coming up with an excuse. Surely we did not know this. Doesn't God really understand that you did know that? He who keeps your soul, does he not know? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Can you make a person responsible over a matter when they're irresponsible? Can't do that. Person entrusted to these things will be a person that God could place his trust. Character attribute number six is tolerance. When somebody is provoking you, when somebody is irritating you, when somebody is wanting you to do contrary to your character, do you have tolerance? Do you support this? Do you withstand? Or are you led by your emotions? If they didn't mess with me, then I wouldn't have. Well, guess what? God is looking for people that they mess with and continue to have Christian character, godly character. Tolerance, supporting, putting up with people. Psalm 123, 3 and 4, an example of tolerance. He says like this, Psalm 123, verses 3 and 4. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. They're offending us. They're constantly challenging. Our soul is exceedingly filled with scorn of those who are at ease. 
with the contempt of the proud. They are begging for our outburst. They're begging for us to lose our testimony. Number seven, vision. The capacity to see what lies ahead. People without vision perish. God, let me see the eternal. Let me see what you're about to do. A, a person with vision is a person with character. I, I want to suggest here, here it is. God is going to show up, period. That's vision. God is going to show up. In other words, his goodness shall visit me in the future. I know that God's not going to leave me hanging. I could see God standing up for the righteous. I could hear King David remind me, I've been young and now I'm old. There has never been a righteous man forsaken. Nor shall his descendants be left holding the bag. God has a great future and hope. So character is one of vision. I could see that when I get right with God, he will open the heavens. He will pour out his goodness. I shall not die, but live and tell of the works of God, to have vision. Some people are poor, blind, naked, irresponsible, undisciplined. They're not honest, holding themselves responsible. They're always blaming somebody else. They're not courageous. They're hiding behind their excuse. They don't have vision. They don't have integrity. Proverbs 28, 6. Character of a man in the dark. When no one there is seeing his life, he's doing the right thing. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than the one perverse in his ways, even though it seems that he's prospering. Better it is to see the hand of God on our life. Psalm 25, 21. He says, Lord, I want to let my integrity and being right before you be the things that keep me. Because I know that if I stay right with you and do the right thing, I know that your provision is coming. That's what I'll wait for. I'm going to wait for the things of God. Character attribute, number nine, respect. Respect, respect. This generation has lost respect. See, they don't even know when they're disrespectful that they're doing it. This is, I have older guys that are 24, 25, and 26, and we're talking something serious, and they break out in the giggles. <laughs> And you don't know if they're laughing at you, they're laughing at themselves, or they're laughing at the situation. You don't know. But I understand if you're watching MTV and you're seeing Beavis and Butthead, I understand that the culture of Jody and Zach and Nickelodeon and all the Saved by the Bell and the constant laughter when things are going wrong, that they've been indoctrinated and brainwashed into stupidity. And in my day, if you disrespected an older person, you would be fired on the spot. It wasn't, I mean, we just went to my son's graduation last week. And the whole 12th grade senior, what do you call that? Class was up there singing and some 
total nimwit in front of every parent, grandfather and, and relative and staff was continually giggling and laughing. And, and you couldn't tell if, you couldn't tell. But in his demeanor, he couldn't understand. He was being highly disrespectful. He couldn't tell. He couldn't tell. He didn't have the wariness. I, I tell young people that when an adult is speaking to you and you're quick to answer back to them, that's called disrespect. You're not supposed to talk until they're finished talking. They don't know that. I'll tell you why they don't know that. Because they've seen their parents disrespect their parents. So they don't have a model of the character we're talking about tonight. Endurance speaks about doing this for a long period of time. I've seen some people try to do this in the flesh. We've talked about this in the past. You cannot live this life in the flesh. You could try real hard to be nice and to be polite and respectful. Guess what? It's coming out of your ears that you're not. That there is no honor. That there is no integrity. There is no responsibility. And so that becomes an issue because you have to not, like Galatians says, Paul talks real strongly about them. Hey, who bewitched you that you started letting the spirit and the life of God produce this in you and now you're pretending to be able to do it on yourself? You cannot do this on yourself. If you set up a parameter like we're doing tonight with 15 things that you check off and you say, I got to be all these things. I promise you with a 100% guarantee that you are going to fall short of living this life if it's not for the grace of God. I promise you. I've, I've done my list before. I said, I'm going to be like this, like this, like this. And God says, you're not going to do any of that. It's only my grace poured out towards you that allows you to manifest my glory. He gives grace to the humble, another character attribute. To not do more than you can, to not be who you're not. To not de-express and pretend that you are where you're not. So endurance and perseverance is hugely seen. The character of generosity. Lord, make me a generous person. Now I'm just going to ask this one question. Ready? People know your generosity? 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Are people, are, do people know you to be consistently generous? But as you abound in everything, as you abound religiously and you have proper speech and knowledge and you're responsible and you love, see also that you abound in generosity. I was wondering why a family member would not get saved. Many years ago, there was people coming to our church. And I was like, man, that whole family should come to the Lord. Why, why don't they come to the Lord? And I bumped into a family member down the middle of town, and he says, Pastor, could I share something with you? I said, sure. I would be in your church because I've heard your passion. I've heard your fruit. I've heard that you love God. But the only reason I'm not at your church is because I have a family member. And every time we have a lunch at my house, I buy all the groceries. Everybody comes over to eat. We have a great time. And then later on, when 
they invite us over to their house. At the end of the party, he brings out a receipt and charges me for the hot dogs my family ate. It's not funny. It's sad. Our generosity as men and women of God and representation of the kingdom of God, that God gives all things to all people in every place. Is that generous? Acts 17 says, He gives all things to all people in every place, including their breath. And so when we see God be so generous, how could we be so stingy? And still week after week after week after week, people come into the house of God. They eat like gluttons. I'm healthy spiritually. But you look at their, their offerings and their tithes, and at the end of the year, meager stinginess, not with family, not with relatives, with God. And if they're being stingy and miserable with God, they're also going to be with everyone else. So generosity has to be, uh, Proverbs 21, 13, generosity has to be part of the expression of the heart. Whoever shuts his ears up to the needy will also cry himself and not be heard. You don't want to have that in your situation. Deuteronomy 15, 7. Deuteronomy 15, 7. If there is among you someone who is needy, a poor man, among your brethren, within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you. Listen, the generosity of God's giftedness. You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your brother. Verse 8. But you shall open your hand wide to him and be willing to lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it is, his need. Verse 9. Beware lest therefore there be wicked thought in your heart saying, On the seventh year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes a sin that God holds Against you. Verse 10. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. It should not feel like something negative, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you. He's going to open up more provision for you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand to do. Verse 11. For the poor will never cease from the land, therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, to your needy in your land. Be known for generosity. Be known for your generosity. Be known for a person that, that continues to have open hands. Um, they call us on every one of our trips. Listen to this. On every one of our trips, they call us and they say, Pastor, you're going to come and bless our church. You're going to bless our city. You're going to bless the conference. How much will you charge us? Charge you? If I go to a place because I'm going to charge them. It's going to take on a crazy look with regards to ministry. Because they can never in their wildest dreams renumerate economically what we're going to pour out spiritually for them. We're expecting to change nations. And not walk away with provision. Our provision comes from the Lord. And it's an honor to be able to do it without charge. 
compassion, commitment, enthusiasm. That's, that's, if, if there's anything that you could ask God for is enthusiasm, which it means being like God. God never is weary. He's never dragging his feet. He's always on the up and go. Self-sacrifice, humility, patience, loyalty, having a forgiving spirit. I'm going to tell you right out right here. This is a good one for you. If you continue to be harassed and offended, pass the test already and forgive. You'll be past it already. You will enjoy relationships from now on because you won't hold a grudge. You're not going to be holding somebody's offense. Why are you looking at me like that? So I'm offended. Forgive already. Pass the test. And you'll be the happiest person in the world. Nobody will ever be able to make your face frown. The last one, number 49, is passion. Asking God for your ability to walk passionately for him all the days of your life. Let's stand tonight and ask God to have mercy on us as we are running this race in the pursuit of an expression that brings glory to him. He will cause you to be lifted up before the nations to be his example. Don't allow the devil to close you in and to close you up and to make you fold. You begin to flourish like a flower until it Brings forth its beauty for the glory of God. And when the flower dies, that's when the fruit is born. That's when people are being able to be satisfied with the expression of who you are as a servant of God. And I believe that that's what we will stand before the throne of God and God will bring forth in an expression of bring, bring forth the goods. Show me how you live for my glory. And every attack of the enemy is to cause us to walk in flawed character. To have an expression short of the glory of God. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every time we mess up, God doesn't get the glory. God doesn't get the honor. And so I, I want to challenge you with this we're headed towards the manifest presence of his glory we're headed in that direction and it's called glorious when we're able to to just flow in this life be a refreshing to our family to our friends to our marriage to our children when your children rise up for the glory of God This is what we're trying to hold people accountable to, not for our benefit, for their own, because the Bible says that all of creation longs to see the sons of God free in their glorious liberty. Let's read that real quick in Romans chapter 8. All of creation.
I want to suggest that you bring joy into your heart and that when you see something short of that glory, put a smile on that face and tell one another, we're going forward. We're going forward because we know that we're going to see. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 19. That, that gives you a, an expression of hope. All of creation, the earnest expectation, the hope of creation eagerly awaits for the sons of God to be revealed. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. He's birthing this in us. Verse 26 says that the Spirit is helping us in times of weakness. The Spirit is, is, is producing this in us on an everyday scenario. Let's sing this song to the Lord and then we're going to pray and you tell the Lord right there as you sit, as you stand, I mean, as, as you're here in the house of God, tell him, Lord, I press forward to the high call. I press forward to be in your image and according to your likeness. Oh. Uh -huh. 